Welcome to another episode of Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM, where we dissect topics and issues relating to life in veterinary school. I'm your host, Seth Williams, and I'm a veterinary student at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. Today on the podcast, let's talk about veterinary team turnover and retention and what that means in the veterinary space and to us as veterinary students and veterinarians. I am so excited and thrilled to be joined by certified veterinary technician and veterinary consultant, Rebecca Rose. Rebecca has been working in the veterinary community for the past 30 years. She's an expert in veterinary practice management and is the founder of Catalyst Veterinary Practice Consultants, where she's got a great team of experts helping practices across the country with team development and practice management. So welcome, Rebecca. How's it going? Seth, it's going great. Thank you so much for bringing me um, to your podcast. Um, and congratulations on creating this and creating your own niche. Very good. Thank you. Well, yeah, it's great to be talking to uh, people in the community, in the veterinary community, both professionals and students alike. So hopefully it's going to be a good resource for veterinary students and veterinarians across the country. Exciting. Yes. Um, and I've been working with veterinary students for many years and I embrace everything that you guys do and the fact that you are embracing this concept and growing all of these venues for veterinary students will elevate the whole profession. Good. I'm glad you think so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's get started. So um, we're talking about team retention and turnover. So what does that mean? That's a great question. You've given me a series of wonderful (laughs) questions. Um, Team retention goes to this idea, and there's been studies to show in other industries, turnover is typically about 15%. Mm-hmm. So that's average. That's when people, you know, their spouses move, people choose to go back to school, parents get ill, whatever the reason, 15% is average. Um, a few years back, I believe it was um, an article I saw in Trends, mm-hmm. aha, it said that in the veterinary community, it's 29%. So wow. that's twice as much. But I have to say that's probably being pretty generous. I work with veterinary teams that can be as high as 50 or 60% turnover. And we're talking about over the course of a year or? or over a year. That's okay. how I would suggest people track this. Okay. And even right now when we're having this conversation, um, I'm reaching out to some of the professionals like in the hospital management arena. And they're like, you're right. We really don't talk about or identify within our practices the turnover. Because when we do quantify it then we can measure it then we can look to change it or alter it or Mm -hmm. improve it or whatever that needs to be um and what i was kind of strained although this is how the universe works i was um listening to a gentleman at the student avma convention this past spring Mm -hmm. and he was talking about turnover and he was mentioning that he had a high turnover which okay. is not uncommon. Right. And he's like, okay, so then the next year we strived for 0% turnover. And he said that really wasn't very good either. Mm-hmm. So when I recommend people to look at their percentages, identify if they're 33, 43, whatever that percentage is, then just shoot for that average. Right. Because you, you, it's healthy to have turnover. I'm not saying decrease it to zero, but to maintain and keep the loyalty and have longer um, and longevity with your team members is a really wonderful thing. Right. Um, 
So the retention piece is important. Recently in JAVMA, there was an article about the retention piece and how that might be more of a, um, a discovery in keeping people longer. Mm-hmm. And the, the burnout is, is high in veterinary medicine. The compassion fatigue is high in veterinary medicine. And I think those are, well, and, and we'll hang our hat on salary because right. that's just an easy thing for us to do. But I think it's the other two things and being undermanaged are reasons for that turnover. Okay. So I guess that, that leads into um, why we're talking about it in the veterinary space. Um, there, There's obviously an issue with it, as mm-hmm. we, you've already discussed, mm-hmm. um, and which is why you know, you've been so successful in your consulting practice with addressing this issue. So... Um, so what's been going on, you know, a little more specifically, do you have any stories of, of um, practices that are dealing with this and how um, it's affecting the veterinary community as a whole? Sure. Um, well, again, some of the veterinary practices I deal with, they come to me and, and it's an issue, as we're saying. And how can they take that, sometimes even 60% and decrease it? Um, because the reason you would want to inc- decrease it is when you have a team that's worked together and they're harmonious in that working, that would be awesome. Um, <laughs> but then they have this synergy and they have all of the, the cogs working within that veterinary hospital, then the patients are getting better pa- patient care. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's what we're here for. Right? right. And the clients are getting better service because the team just functions higher. Um, we're more efficient, we're more effective, we are a team, and that word synergy may or may not be used enough, but it's wonderful when you have a team, you know, a veterinarian might say, hey, I need this, and as he's reaching for something, you know, the technician's already got it. Right. (laughs) That's a well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. That's when people are satisfied, and, and that's when we're offering the best care. When we've worked together, a period of time if there's constant turnover we're never finding our groove when there's constant turnover it's difficult to be efficient right and stressful geez just the stress alone yeah i can imagine so it's a problem in, or not a problem i don't want to say it's a it's an issue that we it, need to address mm-hmm. um so you know since you work with so many different people in the practice technicians and mm-hmm. reception staff and doctors and and so on um how can this issue of turnover and retention affect each of those people? Mm-hmm. Does it affect them differently? Mm-hmm. Um, does it affect them the same? Um, you know, what does it mean to each person? Sure. Well, let's just look at this idea of burnout, right? Because mm-hmm. we all experience burnout. Burnout is experienced in all industries. So I see burnout as being a direct reflection of the, the, the management of those veterinary hospitals, the scheduling, the shift change, the um, inability to hold people accountable, right? Mm-hmm. So that affects everybody in all departments. Mm-hmm. Now, the compassion fatigue actually affects everybody in the, those com- departments as well. Um, it's misunderstood and underdiagnosed with a number of mm-hmm. our, our team members. Um, and so... Once we identify these items and realize it affects everybody on the team, having conversations is the first point. Debriefing when we do have a traumatic experience, what Mm -hmm. does that look like? Um, Just having well-managed practices with practice managers that are empowered 
yay, that would right. really help immensely. Um, and realizing that in every department within a veterinary hospital, and I'm talking little hospitals, big hospitals, it doesn't matter. There is at least four ways to grow a career in that department, <laughs> in that position, right? Mm-hmm. And that comes back to management. Right. If management knows how to grow you and knows how to identify what you're good at and helps you identify how we're going to excel in that area and keep you longer, well, there's the magic combination. Right. Is keeping people longer, helping them grow, and giving them opportunities for advancement. So I get to have a lot of these numbers and things in my head. Recently, NAFTA did a demographics survey, and we identified like the top five things that people... Um, find as issues, mm-hmm. specifically to veterinary technicians and team members. And the top five um, was burnout, imagine that, and the ab- inability for advancement. Hmm. So w- there was others too. Um, but we want to stay longer. Right. We want to have opportunities for personal growth and be a part of that common goal in right. that patient care. Right. So, you know, on, on growth, Let's talk about that as a veterinarian, especially for new veterinarians where, um, let's take for example, the the new grad who does not want to own a practice. They mm-hmm. want to be an associate veterinarian, which is totally fine, obviously. Yeah. But um, they get into the practice, they're an associate, and they may think there's nowhere to grow. I mean, they're going to be an associate veterinarian, then they're going to be the senior associate or what, whatever mm-hmm. it's going to be, but then what? I mean, right. What do you what do you do for for those types of doctors? I mean, well, I explain find something that you're really good at, right? Mm-hmm. And that that doesn't necessarily what you're passionate about because that's a little bit. There's two different things there, to be mm-hmm. honest. But find something you're really good at. You might be surprised, and I'm just going to use this as an example, right? There's so many out there, but you might be surprised that you really are good at helping families and families with children euthanize that beloved pet mm-hmm. and help them with that, right? We see death seven to eight times more frequently than in the human side of things. Right. Well, then become really, really good at it. Right. Excel at it. Declare that you are going to be within your team that expert and you're that go-to person. Look at the service, the wonderful service we're providing those families in that end-of-life care. That's right. just one example. I could rattle off right. 15 but find to find your your niche within the practice. Most definitely, and, and excel at it. Right. So yeah, with I mean, you know, thinking I'm thinking, um, you know, like like euthanasia, or you're the you love doing inventory things. You know, right. Even something as administrative, if mm-hmm. you will, as that. You know. Yeah. Whatever, <laughs> whatever it may be. <laughs> right. So here you are, inventory. I'm like, yeah, good for you, Seth. Right. So if we know that this is what our budget is, woohoo, got a budget. <laughs> Right. And and we say that our expenses are are at I'm just going to put out there 18 percent, which is going to be kind of high. But you bring it down to 16 percent, two percent could mean a lot within right. a veterinary practice. Right. Yeah. So if you if I'm managing you as a veterinarian or the team, and someone comes up to says, you know what, Rebecca, I'm all about the numbers and I'm all about the inventory. <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. I'm helping you with that. Right. Right. Good. Um. So. One question based on that. Do you see any trends with higher turnover, less retention with younger um, staff members, young, younger new doctors versus um, older, more seasoned I vets? Could, I could probably find that statistic. Um, I know in departments, actually, the turnover is highest in veterinary technicians. Okay. Um, 
in the demographic surveys for the technicians right now, within the first three to five years, they're already finding a new job. So I would imagine that it's probably similar to with new graduates for veterinarians. Okay. So with, with these technicians, do we think like if we had to pick one or two reasons for the turnover, do you think it goes to more of a management issue or more of a growth issue or, um, culture? It's going to go to all of that and it's going to be defined in management. Okay. All of that. Yeah management of growth growing people within the practice um it all comes back to management so what i would say is probably one of the higher the reason for higher turnover with new graduates is the fact that they're not getting mentored Mm -hmm. they're not getting trained they were thrown to the wolves and now they're two years in they're still floundering they still feel like there's no vision no no direction and that's management so going back to one of your next questions, you know, mm-hmm. about how, what would be the real life thing, um, when you are finding that first job, oh, if I could help you find the best job for you, that would be the most wonderful thing. Because I feel what happens is often they just take the first thing. I mm-hmm. understand you have bills to pay, so we all right. do. But don't take the very first one. Really declare what it is you want in a practice, whether it be well-managed, a mentor, training, Mm -hmm. a technician that's just going to be by your side that's just going to really elevate you. Declare that and don't settle for anything less. Right. Because I think one of the biggest fears that, at least from the people that I've talked to, is that, you know, we get taught these things in school, then when we get out, um, we may not feel as prepared as we thought we were. Mm -hmm. Um, So we want to have that person holding our hand just a little bit oh, you know most definitely well as i mentioned before um at my practice at town and country animal hospital mm-hmm. where i worked for for a number of years we would oftentimes in the summer have interns come through and we would hire new graduates and so i would tell the receptionists and technicians who i'm working with i was like okay the newbie student and i will be in the surgery room doing a spay for the next hour and a hour and a half you know where to find right. me right, right. because right. In a practice that's going to allow for you to have that time to be there mm-hmm. and and grow your skills, that's what you need. Right. You do not need someone that says, boom, all I can expect 20 minutes and you've got to be out of that, that surgery room. Right. No. Right. Find a team that can support you in those first six months to a year in the time needed to hone your skills. Polish what you know. Mm-hmm. Create that teamwork. Um, identify your communication skills with the team and with um, the clients. Right, right. So, kind of spinning the 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 view on this. So we we just talked about being managed. Let's talk about managing. Do you in your um, in your work in your consulting? Do you find that the one that is managing is usually the practice owner or the the head veterinarian at the practice or is there a a designated manager business manager of the practice or a team manager whatever you're going to call it Mm -hmm. and what are your recommendations because i know that a lot of people myself included who want to own a practice um need to consider that are they going to be the manager of the hr and the practice as a whole or are they going to be a doctor or are they going to do both how are they going to manage it and Mm -hmm. what we don't want to do is try to do too much and then have our management you know, Mm -hmm. fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. Great question. 
And the advice I'm going to give is you've gone to school to be a great veterinarian, mm. be a great veterinarian or choose to be a great manager. I think it's really difficult to be great at both. And I think your team members need, require, deserve to have a great manager. So I think that veterinarians that think they're managing well, probably if they delegated properly and mm -hmm. gave those duties to a practice manager or office manager, things would run better. Right. So I, you know, so we're going to be speaking with the VBMA group, right. and that's what I explained to them. I am happy that you are learning more about business. I really, truly am. Mm -hmm. But what I really hope you get out of this is that you're going to have or work for a place that has a practice manager that manages well and leads well. With the vision of the owners. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes, exactly. So essentially what I'm hearing is that the health and happiness of a practice, the base of it is management. Most definitely. You heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Everything's solved. Right. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk about um, your experience as a technician and working with technicians. And as a technician looking at their coworker, the veterinarian, um, what do you wish veterinarians did better or knew more about or um, had in their skill set that would help make the practice or the, the operation run more smoothly, make the technician happier, and you know, obviously further down the road, lower uh, turnover, keep, keep everyone mm -hmm. happy? So if I was writing that Dear Abby letter, mm -hmm. and it, would, it was saying, Dear Veterinarian, I am a professional. Mm -hmm. I'm trained. I'm here to serve you and the clients and the patients that we have. In order for you to be the best you can be, and in order for me to be my best as a veterinary technician, delegate what you know you can delegate to me. Mm -hmm. Trust that I'm good at it. And know that through the delegation, you're going to be far better and far more efficient and proficient. And through that delegation, I'm going to be far happier because I will be reaching my fullest potential mm -hmm. through delegation of, of all skills, right? right? Um, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight is veterinary technicians are skilled. And especially if we've been in the field for a period of time, um, we have excelled as some wonderful pieces. And trust us, we're here to help you. Mm -hmm. We're here to make you as a veterinarian look really good. That's our job. Right. Do you find that there's some unintentional uh, disrespect from the veterinarians, like thinking that a, a technician is not as skilled or not capable of doing some of the things because they don't have a medical degree? Obviously, that's not right, but right. Um, right. it could be a natural thing. I, I don't know. I think I've seen it sometimes where there's been some, um, some, some minor disrespect, obviously not intentional, but that... That would cause the technician to feel like they are undervalued. Well, that is one of those top ten things: is not being respected and recognized for the the skill sets that we bring to the table. So, you as a veterinarian, when you graduate, you get to do four things, right? Mm -hmm. You're prognosing, diagnosing, treating, and initiating surgery. That's what we hire you for. Mm -hmm. That's your brains. Right. That's your skill sets. Allow your team to the potential and the skills and, and what they've been educated for to do everything else. Right. And, and it's pretty defined when you get into a veterinary hospital as to what veterinarians do and what your team members do. Cool. 
So, and then I get that leads into kind of my Jerry Maguire question. Um, help me help you. What can we do as veterinarians to help the technician? Is there anything more than, you know, I mean, there obviously is going to be more, but at the base, mm-hmm. uh, respect, delegation, confidence. Mm-hmm. Trust. You know, how, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's it in a, in a beautiful bow is your team members, and there's a number of them, you know, that practice manager, the technician, the, the assistant, we are here to support you and to help you do what you've been trained to do. Mm-hmm. Identify those four things and do those really well and know that your team is here to do everything else. Right? Right. Um, that's that's the, the crutch of it. <laughs> Delegate, trust, allow for growth. You as a veterinarian allow for growth and excel in what you want to do and know that your team members want to excel as well and grow together. Right. And I think what I always like to think about is that it's a very much a mutualistic relationship oh, we, n- yes. neither of us will succeed or do right a, a, a minuscule fraction of the job that we need to do without both of us so there's that acronym t-e-a-m right team this mm-hmm. is an old one it's been around for a long time but i i i like it together everyone achieves more yep and a team that truly supports and respects and communicates um and finds a common vision and purpose will be far happier. Right. Far happier. Gotcha. Okay, so let's talk about a difficult question, which we talked about a little bit before we started recording, but um, about real life scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you could tell vet students um, about things that we may experience in the quote unquote real world once we get out of school mm-hmm. into the clinic on the ground mm-hmm. that we may not be taught in school or may that uh, or that we may not realize until we are actually in the thick of working and mm-hmm. um, experiencing these things. Yeah, I and I really did. I still have a hard time wrapping my head around just one or two or something like that. So I, I go back to when I was a veterinary technician on the floor at Town and Country working with all of these newbie graduates. And two things stand out to me. And one, um, and to be honest, I just, I think it's good. I, there's no reason, some people are going to cringe when I say this, you don't have to do a residency. You don't have to go do those extended externships. Um, do an internship after you graduate, go to residency. Residency and yeah. all that. Because you have the skills to do what you've been trained to do. Mm-hmm. So um, some of you may be down that path. Great. But know that you have the skills to walk into a veterinary hospital and do what you need to do. Do those four things. Um, and commit to something, <laughs> especially when you're trying to diagnose something, right? I, I, you need to just commit to it and go forward with it. Your client needs for you to commit to something and definitely the patient needs for you to commit to something. Mm-hmm. So that would probably be one of my first advice. Right. Is commit to something. Commit. Um, and then the next one is no. And I remember vividly dealing with a young veterinarian the first time she lost patience, you know, mm-hmm. that that was very, very difficult for her. And it had nothing to do with her. It had to do with the disease right. and the time in that, that animal's life. And she would just fall apart. 
so to speak. Right. And so here I was trying to pick up those pieces and say, okay, doctor, we, we finished that one, but you know what? We got two more waiting right. and I need for you to collect yourself. And, and this is part of it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to save all of them. Right. And it took her probably a good six to eight months or maybe longer to come to that realization. It was really tough on her for, for at first. Right. And I guess that, that could bring us back full circle to, uh, compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, another big reason for turnover or people just burning out um, Mm -hmm. because they don't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. And I look at compassion fatigue, and this was just an epiphany for me not too Mm -hmm. long ago, identifying for the first time this idea between burnout and compassion fatigue, two different things, two different ways of maintaining them or Mm -hmm. solving them. The compassion fatigue is the trauma of what we do. As an example, Um, I'm a veterinarian, I'm a technician, I'm holding a litter of kittens in my hands, as an example, Mm -hmm. and there's no way I'm going to save this this litter of kittens for whatever reason. That's a trauma. Right. That's that's tough. So when we deal with those kinds of things, we either figure out how to compartmentalize that and know that I'm caring in the moment, and I'm giving everything I can, but once this scenario has played out as it's supposed to, I have to let that go. That trauma cannot be a burden to me any longer. That's a tough thing. I care. I care. I do care. But now I can't care any longer about that. That's a a really tough thing. Um, So what do you do in those situations? I mean, you know, in your days as a technician and and from what you see now, mm -hmm. do people go to therapy to deal with it afterwards or do they I think we shove it down shove it down shove it down we don't talk about it I think this is one of the biggest reasons why we have such burnout we don't talk about it we don't Mm -hmm. talk about the trauma we don't talk about and trauma looks different to everybody one of the first things I did as a veterinary technician well I wasn't even a technician um I was working in high school the first day I was at work um in comes a little wild bunny and the credentialed technician at the time and I euthanized that bunny. We mm-hmm. stopped that suffering. Right. Right? That's precisely what we're here to do. Right. So, but so we all deal with these things differently. But I think as a collective group, if we have opportunities to debrief some of these traumas mm-hmm. and debrief that traumatic hit by car with the, with the uh, very emotional clients that's not going to affect everybody the same, but there might be some team members that that was highly traumatic. Right. How do we deal with that? How do we support them through that? Mm-hmm. So it's very individualized, but it's a collective topic that we need to discuss better right. as a community. And I guess to also come back full circle, I like that. Um, it comes down to management too. Your manager yes. can play a big role in yes in um, leading people towards that healing or, mm-hmm. or facing mm-hmm. uh, what has happened that day. Let's have a conversation, right. knowing and understanding your team and your individuals that in, in, in that trauma, a similar trauma may not have affected somebody two months ago, but wow, you know your team members and today that team member was affected differently. So we got managers in a sense have to be somewhat of a counselor. It's not our job to know how to deal with that professionally, but it's our job to know how to identify it and then offer resources in handling it. Okay, great. And I've managed two veterinary hospitals in my in my time. So this is nothing, uh, this is nothing new to me and it's things that I've seen. Right. Okay, good. Um, Okay, so let's move off 
this topic for just a second because it's a topic that I've um, taken some interest to and have read on for the past uh, few weeks that we talked about a bit before earlier today. Um, the concept of veterinary technician versus veterinary nurse. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I just learned today, which I'm super excited about, is that you are the president of the, uh, and you're going to correct me on this, the, the National Technician Association, Association in America. In America. Thank so, you. which is awesome. Thank you. Um, and I know that you guys are in the midst of talking about this amongst your cohort. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got, I've got mixed feelings about it, but I definitely think it's an interesting topic and um, I think I have an opinion on it, you know, swaying one way or the other. Um, but I want to hear your opinion and um, sure. what you've been um, experiencing on the technician side. Yeah. Um, it's a conversation long time coming. It's been in the background and people within veterinary hospitals and managers have been calling their some of their team members veterinary nurse. And you have to think and realize too that our profession as veterinary technicians and technologists has not, has only been around for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Veterinarians, you guys have been having your own profession for over 100 years. Right. Ours is a much newer profession. So you have to think about what we've accomplished even in a short period of time and transitions. So to make a long story short, NAFTA chose to initiate conversations the first of 2016 around this saying, okay, let's really find out what the community wants. Let's find out what our constituents want. What, who, who, what do veterinary technicians in our membership want um, at state levels and at the national level? And I'm really proud of our task force mm-hmm. to be having conversations with the Nurses Association, with the um, American Association of Veterinary State Boards, and the American Association of the AVMA, Veterinary Medical Association. Um, the, the fact that we're at the table and speaking with them and surveying the community, not just our technicians, but we have a survey out right now that's asking managers and veterinarians and, and assistants and technicians, what are your thoughts about national credentialing and even this term veterinary nurse or what would that look like? Now, you have to remember for so many years, and I know a lot of, a lot of people have been doing this too, you shake your, your the client's hand and say, hey, I'm, I'm Rebecca Rose. I'm a certified veterinary technician. They kind of get this look like, well, what is that? Right. And I mean, seriously, it's like, huh. And I said, well, I, I'm similar to a, a nurse for animals, right? So that's, we're just taking it to that next step and that next level and that next conversation. Um, I have no idea how this is going to pan out. Mm-hmm. We are very excited to have the data that's coming to us. And um, who knows, next year we'll kind of have an idea of where that might go and what that might look like. Creating and gathering the information this year has been very exciting for me. Good. Yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, Because I I agree that, you know, so I I grew up in the pharmacy industry with my parents and my my grandparents. um, And we have pharmacy technicians in the pharmacy. And it is nothing like what a veterinary technician is. So I, I like what you said about, you know, hi, I'm Rebecca. I'm a technician, veterinary technician. And the client looks at you like, well, what's a technician? Like, are you going to go work on my computer? Mm-hmm. Or my my cat is not mm-hmm. a piece of machinery. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I, I kind of come from. Like, you know, a veterinary technician is not, in the modern sense of the world, in my opinion, a technical 
Mm -hmm. uh, personnel member. Mm -hmm. Um, They are more like a nurse. So why not? A more loving, caring, embracing, nurturing. Right. Which is a lot of what we do. Yeah, we do a lot of technical things. We do the lab piece. We do the anesthesia. We do a lot of technical things. But we're very nurturing, nursing part of the veterinary community. Right. And it was interesting to find out more amongst my own research that some other countries, especially in Europe, mm-hmm. already use or have been using mm-hmm. veterinary nurse since the uh, mm-hmm. the profession came into uh, into into realism. So, mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, I just wanted to ask a, a seasoned technician about that and what. And now that I know that you are so involved with that, um, to hear what your opinion was. So that's cool. I'm excited yeah. to see where it goes. Yeah, and I have to give a shout out to all of the leaders um, in NAFTA because uh, I'm so proud of them. Great. Um, all right, cool. So one more question for you until we wrap it up. Um, one that I did not give you, but I want to start asking all of our guests on the podcast this. Um, can you give us veterinary students, prospective veterinary students and veterinarians, a book recommendation? <laughs> a book recommendation. Oh, all right. The one that I carry with me all the time and I present and I say I, I use it in so many ways is the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Okay. Yeah. Great question. Good. Yeah. I, because, I, I, you know, and I, I talked um, with a, another student, um, peer of mine at, at Mizzou about these books. And I never used to be a reader. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started getting into these books that were recommended by veterinarians and, and uh, VBMA speakers and uh, business leaders, mm-hmm. I started, I now love to read because these are books that are just so interesting and mm-hmm. uh, apply so much to, not only our industry, but I think business and being a professional in general. So, mm-hmm. um, cool. We'll definitely put that one on the list and make sure make sure we all get to read that. Thank you. Thank you, Seth, for bringing me here. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. This was great. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think for everyone that's listening, definitely turnover, retention. It's all intertwined as, as our role as the veterinarian. Um, if we are the, the managing person of the practice or just the the veterinarian that is working with the manager at all i think comes down to management would you agree definitely comes Um, down to management and it's definitely something to keep in mind when we get out into the workforce and and we i think we are definitely going to see this if not experience it ourselves and how we can mitigate it uh, Mm -hmm. before we get there and and maybe help our peers and um and colleagues that are dealing with it as well Mm -hmm. thank you very good cool awesome All right. Well, I want to say a huge thank you to Rebecca Rose for spending some time with us today uh, and sharing her great thoughts and insight about team turnover and retention. Um, Like I said, it's something that I think we're all going to observe in our careers as veterinarians. Um, So we've got some more information about Rebecca on our website, vetschoolunleashed.com. Also, please be sure to check out Rebecca's consulting company online, Catalyst Veterinary Practice Consultants at www.catalystvetpc.com. And also follow Rebecca on Facebook and Twitter at Rebecca Rose CVT. And of course, thank you so much for listening to the Vet School Unleashed podcast. For resources and more information about the podcast, be sure to check us out at www.vetschoolunleashed.com or find us on Twitter or Facebook. Feel free to reach out to me via Twitter or email me at seth at vetschoolunleashed.com with any suggestions or topics that you'd like to hear about. Uh, or even reach out if you want to be on the podcast yourself and share some insight of your own. Thank you so much again, and we will talk to you next time on Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM. Mm-hmm.